0: Go to John 14, please. John 14, 27. Jesus said, what did he say? Peace. peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. If he gave it to you, you are to be enjoying it, don't you think? Yes. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. You cannot find this peace through any intellectual, psychiatric treatment, psychotherapy. You cannot find this peace through any alcohol or through any drug. You cannot find this peace through accumulation of possessions or through sex. Did you hear me? You cannot get this any other place or other way. The world seeks for this peace. Nobody wants to be tormented. Nobody. Don't care what language they speak, what religion they claim to be. Nobody wants to be tormented. That's why so many people are in bondages and sin because they're doing stuff to try to find some satisfaction and some release and relief. They want to get high so they can mellow out, lay back, kick back, float. (laughs) But you can't find it in a pill. Oh, you can do some weird stuff to your brain and your body chemistry and you can have some strange sensations but I'm telling you for every good one you have you're going to have more of the bad. And you can drug yourself until you pass out in a coma but that don't mean you got peace. You can drink till you pass out. It doesn't mean you got peace. You can dull yourself Confuse yourself until you can't tell who you are, or whether you're coming or going, or mess up all your understanding. But that is not the same as being in peace. That's just being confused and bewildered and dulled, muted. But Jesus has already given us what the lost world is looking for and what confused and scared Christians are still looking for. It already belongs to them. What? My peace. He said, Give I unto you, not as the world gives. What are you going to say? Because He's already given us this peace, He expects something and requires something of us. Head of the church talking again, right? What did He say? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if we are afraid, it's because. We let ourselves get that way. And we didn't have to. We shouldn't have. He told us not to. True or not? True. So it's a very important thing to learn. That nothing, no one can force you to be afraid. Did you hear me? Not the devil himself. No person, no thing, there is nothing so awful and so terrible that it can come on you and force you to fear and there's nothing you can do about it. does not exist. Are you with me? For one thing, there's nothing and nobody greater than the one that's inside of you and greater than the peace that the Lord's given you. And because of you being born again and having authority in his name and the greater one inside you, you have the right and you have the ability to resist any fear that comes to you and not let it in you. It may come to you, but you don't have to let it in you. It may try to come on you. You may feel it. But you don't have to let it in you. Ever. I said ever. Said out loud. Nothing. Nothing. No one. No, one no, spirit, no spirit. Can make me. Can make me be, afraid. be afraid. You believe that? Yes. If you get afraid. If you get troubled. It's because what? According to Jesus. You let it. You let it in which means you didn't have to. Now, we've learned that it's a spiritual law that your fears come on you, haven't we? We've learned that you got it within your power, and I do, to resist fear and never let it in us. We've learned that acting on a fear is just one of the most dangerous things you can do in the whole world. Acting in faith allows miracle power of God to be manifested. Acting on a fear gives the destroyer a legal right to manifest destruction in your life. That's why your fears come on you. But one thing that I'm seeing more clearly is that the people of God are yielding to fear in ways they're not recognizing or acknowledging. Do you understand there's a lot of fear in the body of Christ? Oh, man, a lot of fear. Is it a problem? It's opening the door to the destroyer. It's hindering God's moving in people's lives. But people are yielding in ways that I don't think they're connecting, that they're, you know, putting the dots together, so to speak. There's a lot of talk nowadays about staying connected and connectivity. Connectivity. And a lot of it has to do with technology and through the internet and stay connected, stay connected. Well, there's a spiritual principle that whatever you're connected to, you partake of, good or bad. Whoever you're joined to, whoever you're connected to, You're not just connected to them, but now you're connected to whatever they're connected to. And vice versa. That can be a very good thing. And it can be a very bad thing. The Bible talks about Jehoshaphat, who was a a good king. But he messed up by joining himself to Ahaziah, who was a wicked king. Don't turn there, but just listen in 2 Chronicles 20. said he joined himself with him and made ships. And uh, the prophet prophesied against Jehoshaphat and said, Because you joined yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has broken your works. And the ships were broken and weren't able to go to Tarsus." How I many know it's a heavy investment to build ships? And all of them got destroyed before they ever left port. That's a huge loss. And who's to blame? Jehoshaphat was. Why? He joined with the wrong people. Does it make a difference who you hook up with? So that's what the Bible's talking about when it says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. And you read in the book of Revelation, the scripture said to the people, come out of her, talking about the wicked city, come out of her lest you partake of her destruction. If you're joined with her, you're going to get a taste of what she's going to get. Even if you're a good person. Jehoshaphat was a good man. He's a good king. He did a lot of good things. But he had a crazy idea. He's going to make a lot of money by hooking up with this wicked king. And they're going to make a navy. And they're going to get all this stuff and all this money. But when he joined himself with him, he joined himself with destruction. Can you see this, friends? Yeah. You know, the Bible said about the what we call the prodigal son. He took his money and left home and spent it on riotous living, wild partying. And when he ran out of money, his friends left too. And he, the Bible said he joined himself to a certain citizen of that country... And was feeding his pigs. Did you hear the language? How did he get hooked up with this guy? He joined himself. And so he is living in the pig pen. Wanting to eat pig food. Was this God's idea for this boy? No, this was this boy's idea. He joined himself to it. Now he's partaking of what this guy is living in. Because he joined himself to it. And yet the Bible says talking about a man and a wife that get married in God. Jesus said what God has joined together. Let no man separate. Is there a difference between man joined, you joined yourself with, and God joined? Oh, huge. Huge. Uh, where are you? You still in John? Go to Deuteronomy, the first chapter, and look at something that uh, is a connector to fear. People are yielding to fear through yielding to other things. And when you join yourself with it, it's like gathering the water, but you don't want the wet. Huh? (laughs) Getting the sucker, but you don't want the sticky. (laughs) Sucking the lemon, but you don't want the sour. How many know you hooked up with the lemon? You're going to get the sour. You join to the sucker. You're going to get some sticky. And these things are connected to fear. So that if you're yielding to one, you're going to get the other. And you can't get rid of the other as long as you got the one, as you're joined to it. Now, we saw previously, people, even God's people, are yielding to fear through lying and hiding. If you were here with us last week, right, we talked about that. People are yielding to the fear. Now, back to our text, if fear is in you, how did it get there? You let it. Because Jesus said, don't let it. So if fear, if your heart is troubled and upset, if you're scared and in turmoil, how did you get that way? Let you let it in. Or you could say it like this, you yielded to it. Amen. Some way, somehow, you yielded to it. There's no way you're full of fear and you didn't yield to it. You got fear in you. It's because you yielded to it. But what I'm saying is that as the Lord's helping me to see, people are yielding to fear and not realizing they're yielding to it. Because they're yielding to this. And the fear is connected to it. People are giving place to fear in their life through lying and hiding. We camped on that last time. And how I many know, even if you lied because you're afraid. Now, how can you get rid of the fear about the lie that you told? They're connected. Can you see it? How can you get rid of the fear when you lied about it and you know it can come out? If you hold on to the lie, how can you get rid of the fear? Oh, come on. Can you see this? This is revelation the Lord's given us. If you hid it and covered it, and you know it's wrong, can you get rid of the fear while you're covering it? You can't. You can say, I rebuke the fear. You can say, I resist the fear. But the truth is, you're yielding to the fear by covering and lying. So no matter what's coming out of your mouth, your actions are talking louder. You can't give place to it and yield to it and say, but I don't want it. The fear comes with the lying and the hiding. And here's something else that the Lord has shown me that's happening a lot. Did you find Deuteronomy 1? The first generation of Israelites that God delivered from Egyptian bondage did not enter into nor enjoy the promised land. Is that true? Didn't happen. Even though, the Bible says, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. It was God's will. They were supposed to, but they didn't. What did they do? They wandered around in a dry, barren place. It was not a land that flowed with milk and honey. Come on, think about it now. When God delivered them out of Egyptian bondage, out of slavery, they were supposed to come right through that place into a land that flowed with milk and honey. They were supposed to learn some lessons for a few days about faith and being led and putting God first out there in the desert. But they were supposed to come right through and spend the rest of their long life with orchards and vineyards and... Flocks and houses full of all good things. You know the scriptures, right? I mean a rich, full, enjoyable life. Materially and spiritually. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. They lived in a dry, bleak, hot, uncomfortable, barren wasteland. Where they subsisted the remainder of their short, tormented life. And they're God's people. They're His chosen. Now, when they came to the place of entering into the promised land. You're there in Deuteronomy 1. Just hold that. Go to Numbers 14. We'll put more of the story together. I'm trying to save time, but don't want to rush too much. Numbers fourteen and then again in Deuteronomy one describes what happened there. And this is not just a history lesson. First Corinthians tell us that they're examples for us. First Corinthians ten tells us that what happened to them happened as examples for us. And Hebrews talks about that we're to watch. Lest the same thing happen to them, happen to us. Lest, you know, opportunity of us entering into the rest of God, we miss it too through unbelief. Why did they not go in? Why did they not enjoy the riches and blessings of God's plan and promises? Why? We know fear was a part of it. Don't we? Big part. Fear and unbelief. We know it. But I want you to see what it was connected to. This is the thing the Lord showed me today in the clearer way than I've ever seen it before. Yes, it was the fear. Yes, it was the unbelief. But notice what it was connected to that caused it so they couldn't get rid of the fear. How many know Psalm 34 talks about it? I cried to the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from all my fear. I don't care how much unbelief you're in, I don't care how much fear you're in. God can deliver you from all of it. Can't he? If you'll come to him and do the right thing, he can get you full of faith. And free from fear. Can't he? I don't care if you were the worst worrier and the worst fearer around. You can get free. You can get free from fear, and instead of being full of fear, you can get full of faith. But this connector thing I'm talking about, if you're holding on to the thing that we're going to see and won't turn loose of it, it causes you so that you can't get rid of the fear because they're connected. And in yielding to one, you give place to the other. Now we know what happened. Did they ever get free from their fear and unbelief? No. Never did. They wandered around out there in that hot, bleak, dry, barren place. year after year after year after how many know 40 years is a long time to live a miserable life? No luxuries. No niceties, no comfort, no place of your own, not able to build on anything. And none of this is the will of God. None of it. And finally, they all died out there. Every one of them. Except for Joshua and Caleb. So I'm asking you again, did they ever get free? From their fear and unbelief. Never did. If you read the whole story, it's obvious they never did. Because other things came up while they were out there. And if anything, they responded with more fear. And more unbelief. It's a sad story. We've heard it so many times. It's familiar to us. But it's a very sad story. But I want you to see this connector we keep referring to. Numbers 14. Well, in Numbers 13, they had sent the spies, and they came back from searching the land. And they said, man, it's a great land, it's a great land. But the majority of the spies said, oh, no, we can't take it. The people are big, and the walls are tall, and we're not able to. They brought up an evil report. Chapter 14. Verse 1, "...all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation, and they said to them, Would God that we'd have died in the land of Egypt, or would God we'd have died in this wilderness? Why has the Lord brought us to this land?" To fall by the sword. and So our wives and children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another. Let's make us a captain. And let's go back to Egypt. Is fear and unbelief the only problems they've got? What else is going on here? You said it. Rebellion. They have heard the plan of God. And they said, forget that. We're going to get us a new leader. And we're going back to Egypt. Now you'll see this over and over and over again. But a bigger problem they had than fear and unbelief was rebellion. And when they yielded to the rebellion, it brought the fear in. Did you hear me? Keep reading this. I want you to see it from the Word here. Moses and Aaron fell on their face before all the assembly. Verse 6, Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, that searched the land, they tore their clothes. And they said to the company, the land which we passed through to search it, it's an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, He'll bring us into this land and give us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only what? Only what? Rebel not against the Lord. Now, friend, this is what I want you to see. Fear is not the innocent thing so many have thought it is. Fear is not innocent like so many think. They think if you're afraid, well, bless your heart, you need a hug. Because they're just scared. Yeah, but why are you scared? If, go back to our text, if you, me, anybody is scared, particularly we're talking about children of God now, Christians, if we're scared, how do we get that way? We let it in. We yielded to it. So are we totally innocent in this thing? No. We let it in. We need more than just a hug. And here you see, and you'll see it clearer and clear as we go, the reason they were so full of fear and unbelief is because they were so rebellious, so hard-headed, unyielding, unwilling to be teachable and do what the Lord said do. And in yielding to this rebellion... When you join yourself to one thing, you just joined yourself to what is hooked up to it. And rebellion and fear are connected. It's really an eye-opener when you realize what the devil has portrayed. That if you're tough and rebellious, you're fearless. Fearless. I ain't scared of nobody. And I don't obey anybody. Rules are made for breaking. You are looking at a scared man. And they'll do sometimes some wicked things to try to cover their fear. Did you hear me? And they'll do some terrible things out of fear. But it's impossible to be rebellious and fearless. Now whether you see all this tonight or not. Don't throw it away. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Search it out. See it. Don't take my word for it. Search the scriptures. Were these people scared? They cried in their tents all night. Were they full of unbelief? Yeah. But what does he bring out and talk to them about? He said quit this rebelling against the Lord. Neither what? Are they connected? Yes. Rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear. Somebody say rebel, not. rebel not. Fear not. Fear not. Don't rebel. And don't fear. How could they get rid of the fear? Stop, stop, rebelling. stop rebelling. Has this been taught very much? No. <laughs> uh, somebody's afraid they need a hug. These people need a hug. They're scared out of their minds. They stayed up all night last night crying themselves silly. They really are terrified of dying. Do they need a hug? No. They need to stop rebelling. And if they would, they could get rid of that fear. This is Revelation, friends. The whole rest of this chapter is rich along this line. You know I won't continue. Go to Deuteronomy 1. Deuteronomy 1 and 25. He said, they took of the fruit of the land in their hands. They brought it down to us. And they brought us word again. They said, it's a good land which the Lord our God does give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up. But did what? Rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents. Verse 28 says, he, They discouraged their hearts of their brethren. Verse 29 I said to you, Do what? Dread not, neither be afraid. Are the two connected? The rebellion and the fear, are they connected? But this is the enemy's been able to cover this up, he's been able to hide this. Like I said, one of the clearest examples of it is the tough guy persona. Rebel against everything. Ain't scared of nobody. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. The rebellious man is full of fear. They do stupid stuff to try to prove they're not. But they're still full of fear when everybody goes home and they lay down at night by themselves. Because they're connected. You can't yield to the rebellion and not get to fear. And if you want to, no matter how much you want to be rid of the fear, you can't get rid of it while you're holding on to the rebellion. Do you see it? Let me just read some of these to you. Don't try to turn there. See how many times he referred to this Deuteronomy 9 he said uh, verse 6 he said understand the Lord your God has not given you this good land to possess it because of your righteousness for you are a stiff necked people he said verse 7 you have been rebellious against the Lord he verse 23 you haven't hearkened to his voice verse 24 he said you've been rebellious against the Lord from the day I knew you from the first day we met you've been rebellious This whole time till now. So now, in examining this, I could read you another half dozen scriptures that said the same thing. Have you read the Old Testament? How many times does it refer to them as stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious? Over and over and over again. Why did they die out there in that dry, bleak place? We know unbelief kept them out. We know fear of the giants. Fear of the walled cities. We know that kept them out. But that's not the whole picture, is it? Why are they so full of fear? Why are they so faithless and full of unbelief? Because when you yield to rebellion, you let it all in. Oh, do you see this, friends? When you yield to rebellion, who is the most rebellious of all? Satan himself. He's the original rebel. And when people sashay around and talk about what a rebel they are, it's really ignorance. How ignorant can you be? Nobody should ever want to be a rebel about anything. You're saying you want to be like the devil. Oh, there's some confused, ignorant folks in these areas. They think, well, you know, I'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. Most of my friends are there anyway. We'll party. Might be a little hot, but hey. Stupid. 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 What can you say? If they were dropped in hell right now for 30 seconds and then lifted out, when they quit screaming... They would never say such a stupid thing again. (laughs) Ain't nothing funny about hell. Ain't nothing cool about hell. Literally or figuratively. And to be a rebel is to be a scared person and a weak person. Oh, you can try to hide it all you like. You can hurt people. You can be mean. You can be cruel. It doesn't change the fact that you're full of fear. And you cannot get rid of the fear as long as you yield to the rebellion. Look with me at somebody that personifies this. In First Samuel 15. First Samuel 15 tells us about a man named Saul. You remember Saul? Saul was a big guy. He was a warrior, he was a fighting man. And he was a rebel. The golden text on rebellion was written about him. If you set up, he's going to say, down if you say do it he's going to say no and he's big and he's bad he don't care and at this point he's become king and nobody can tell him anyway different but God through the man of God told him to go do something told him exactly what to do and how to do it a campaign and he went and did it changed it all up did it like he wanted to? How many understand? Modification is disobedience. Well, I just changed it a little bit. Rebellious. Well, I did it. You know, I mean, it got done. Isn't that what counts? No. That's not all that counts. By a long shot. No. 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 When the man of God confronted him and said, why did you do this? God told you something to do. Why did you do it? He said, we didn't do it. Somebody said rebellious. How many know when a man of God like this, ask you a question like that, you ought to be on the floor. You ought to be on the floor, repenting before God, praying that you'll get mercy on this deal. He's up in his face, arguing with him. Now let's, but what we've learned already, what else do we know about Saul? He's a fearful man. The more rebellious a person, the more full of fear they'll be. And can't get rid of it. I don't care how much they pray. I don't care how much people cast out of them or lay hands on them. I don't care how much they fast. You can't get rid of the fear till you stop yielding to the rebellion. And finally, when uh, the man of God told him, Well, let me tell you what the Lord told me. He's found him somebody else that will obey him. He's taken the kingdom away from you. He said, Well, I did it because I was afraid of the people. Fear. I feared the people. Sometimes we've kind of read over that and said, Ah, you know, he didn't. Well, he said he did, and the Bible said he did. Fears in him. Well, without going through all the chapters and the verses, the Bible, well, let me just read it to you. The Bible said, after that day, you know, he grabbed a hold of Samuel's clothes and tore them, and is going to make him stay with him and honor him before the people. Why is he doing this? He's oh, he's tough. He's bad. He's going to make you. Why is he doing it though? He's full of fear. He's full of fear that he's losing everything. And he is. Because your fears will come on you. And isn't it a terrible situation that the fear is just filling him up. The fear is increasing in his life and he can't get rid of it. Nothing he does can get rid of it. Why? He won't quit rebelling. And the Bible said, after this, you know, David wound up in his court and would play for him. And he'd get some relief sometimes when the anointing would come when David played. But the Bible said, 1 Samuel 18, 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Verse 15, when Saul saw that David behaved himself wisely, he was afraid of him. Verse 29, and Saul was yet the more, what? And how was it manifested? By him trying to be so bad. Trying to kill him. Oh friend, are you getting the picture? The tough, so-called toughest of the tough. The gang leaders. The hardened criminals. The worst ones in the max security prisons. That are supposed to be the meanest, the baddest, the toughest. Break every law, break every rule. What's the truth? They are full of fear. That's why some of them sit around and get to thinking about it. And go kill their best friend. Afraid they might tell the law something on them. Kill their only friend. Cause their self untold pain. And can't get free from it. It's just going to get worse and worse. The more you rebel, the worse it's going to get. Saul's rebelling against God. He knows it's the plan of God for David to come in. He knows all that. And yet, he refuses to have it that way. He's going to fight it. And so he keeps chasing him. And he imagine the fear that came on him when he realized he was two feet from David in that cave. Or when he was asleep and they got close enough to take what was right by his head and never woke him up. And called on him and said, hey, basically we could have killed you any time. And the culmination of it came, he's so full of fear, he goes to a witch. And tries to get her to find out because he can't hear from God. And she tells him. You and your boy's gonna die tomorrow in the battle. Through the experience. And the Bible said he was so afraid, it sounds like he went into shock or something. He was kind of paralyzed. 1 Samuel 28 5, when he saw the host, he was afraid, his heart greatly trembled. He's the big, tough guy, his heart's trembling. And verse 20, when he heard about that, he fell straightway along the earth. He was sore afraid. There was no strength in him. He was so afraid, he's paralyzed. And the next day, all his fears came true. The Philistines killed him. Him and his boy. Can you see the torment in his life? From that day of him rebelling against God and against the man of God. Every day after that concerning David and concerning his future and his life, the fear just kept growing in him until he was out of his mind. His heart shaking in him. Paralyzed, laying on the floor. Don't even have enough strength to get up. That's how much of a panic and terror this man was in. And he's also the one that the verse was written about. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. It was written in reference to him. Can you see this, friends? Go with me to Psalms, please. Psalm 68. Does the Lord want us to be completely free from fear? Free from unbelief. Psalm 68 and 6 reveals a law, a truth. 68, well, let me read verse 5. God is a father of the fatherless. Somebody say, yes, he is. is. He's a judge of the widows. Yes, he is. Is God in his holy habitation. Now get this, verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains. But, but what? The rebellious, what happens to them? They dwell in a dry land. Isn't that what we saw with that first generation of Israelites? They dwelt where? In a bleak, barren, dry life. Equals. Lonely. Barren. Unfruitful. Listen to other translations. The Webster says, God sets the lonely in families. He brings out prisoners with singing. But the rebellious dwell in a sun-scorched land. The NAS says, God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Several translations say prosperity. Now get this. This is the NAS. Are you looking? Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. We have entirely too many lonely people among believers. We have lonely people. They don't have the relationships. They don't have the fellowship. And it's not that you have to be married. You don't have to be married to have a family. They don't have to be blood kin. No child of God is supposed to be lonely. And you got people in the midst of. Of big churches and big ministries and big communities. And they are just lonely out of their mind. They get up alone. They eat alone. They go to bed alone. And, and they're full of fear. Think with me now. They're full of fear. They're afraid of the future. They're afraid of running out of money. They're afraid of being sick. They're afraid of driving. They're afraid of getting caught in this and caught in that. They're afraid. I'm talking about church going people. Lonely and scared. And most people think they need a hug. It's real quiet in here. Are we going to change what we believe now? Who dwells in the dry, bleak, barren, lonely place? Rebellious people. And no matter how much you pray for them, or they pray for themselves, or how many books they read, or how many people lay hands on them, or cast out, or anoint, can you get rid of that fear while you hold on to the rebellion? You cannot. God has a plan. Where everybody has a part. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a place where they fit. Where they belong. And he's joined this one to this one. And this one to this one. And this one to this one. God joinings. I said God joinings. And through God joinings there's a supply of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And you might live by yourself. And you might do some things by yourself. But you're not supposed to be the Lone Ranger. You're supposed to have friends. You're supposed to be involved in things. You're supposed to have family in the family of God. And if you got nobody, it's you. I said it's you. There's some things the Lord's told you to do. And you wouldn't do. There's some things he told you to be a part of, and you wouldn't do it. And when you say, No, I'm too scared, I don't want to, no, I can't do it, no, then you're rebelling and won't listen and won't do. And if you rebel, what's joined to that rebellion? Fear. Can you get rid of it now? No. And if you keep yielding to it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And you will dwell in a dry, lonely, unfruitful place. And you can blame God. You can blame other people if you want to. But it's not true. Did I read scriptures tonight or did I just make all this up? Let me read you some more. I like this. God makes a home for the lonely. God sets the lonely in families. Is this word true or not? Is it true or not? So if you're lonely, you have a word from God. Don't you? What? That you're not going to stay lonely. That he's going to set you in a family. God's word translation. God places lonely people in families. He leads prisoners out of prison into productive lives. But rebellious people must live in an unproductive land. The English version. He gives the lonely a home to live in. And leads prisoners out into happy freedom. But rebels will have to live in a desolate land. The living Bible. He gives families to the lonely. He releases prisoners from jail. Singing with joy. But for rebels there is... Famine and distress. And you can't get out of it. Can't get rid of the fear. As long as you hold on to the rebellion. How many remember Isaiah 119? If you be willing and obedient. That's the opposite of unwilling and disobedient. If you're willing and obedient, you'll what? You'll what? You're not dwelling in a dry, bleak place. Nah, nah. You are eating the good. You are wearing the good. You're living the good, enjoying the good with other people. The good life that he's made ready for us. But that's not it. The very next verse, very next verse, verse 20, says, But if you refuse and rebel, what will happen? You'll be devoured. Consumed. Is being rebellious a serious thing? Is it? I don't just want us to talk about this tonight. If it's been this way. How many think it could change tonight? If you've been rebellious. And if you have. You just need to admit it. Don't you? You just need to admit it. I've been hard-headed won't listen to anybody. And realize that's why you've been so lonely. That's why you've been so full of fear. Unable to get free from it. What if you'd come and humble yourself before the Lord tonight? What if you'd do that? Would it be worth it? To finally get that fear out of you? And to get that torment out of you? To finally... Begin to have fellowship with people like you're supposed to have. Finally, begin to have the right connections and joinings and relationships and fellowship that you're supposed to. Would it be worth it to quit being so lonely? Lonely is torment. You're not supposed to be lonely. Do you believe it? Stand on your feet, please.